Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 21 through 24. Again, it's Luke chapter 10, verses 21 through 24. Please stand for the reading of God's word. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to the disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Good afternoon, everybody. It's good to see you. And um, it's not in our bulletin, but just to let you know, it should have been. Uh, but right after our sermon, we're going to be commissioning the Kazakhstan team. So it'll be right after the sermon. I'm going to ask the Kazakhstan team to come up, and we're going to pray. And they're actually leaving um, 1 a.m. Saturday morning. So this is their final Sunday before they go off to Kazakhstan. And they will be going there for three weeks where they're teaching Korean and... Not Korean, sorry. English. <laughs> I need to learn Korean. Okay, they're teaching English and math uh, to missionary children and whoever signs up for this program. I hear it's a really good program. And people are very excited. Um, it's an opportunity that they don't have unless we go. So it's an incredible uh, thing that we can do. And these four, um, three students and one postgraduate, they have decided to give up three weeks to do that. And so let's pray for them. And as Hannah Beck said, uh, let's really uh, even fast for them, keep them in our prayers. What they will be missing, though, is our retreat. And... It said in the bulletin, more info to come, but you should have received this insert. Um, this is the information that was to come. So it's, it's here. More info was to come. It's in this uh, flyer. If it reminds you of underwear, it's because it should. That's the Fruit of the Looms logo right up here. And I think, I think uh, Jubin, you even did uh, the Fruit of the Loom font, right? So, anyway, the the theme is Fruit of the Spirit, and we have a great great guest speaker, we have a great worship leader that's coming, and you guys coming will make it also awesome. So please sign up in the back after. We have so many things coming up this holiday season, it's very exciting. It is beginning to look like Christmas, um, I guess, event-wise, but it's so warm. It's like incredible. I, was eating, I went to Philly yesterday to visit some college students uh, with some leaders, and it was 70 degrees, so we had ice cream. And I was just thinking, it's December 12th, it's supposed to be winter, but it's 70 degrees, 
So why not ice cream? And we had a great time eating ice cream. My ice cream was pretty cool. It had ice cream, and then instead of a regular cone, it had a, a chocolate chip cookie cone. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Anyway, um, today's topic is about joy. And when you think about certain things like the holiday season or ice cream or even like the, the fruit that would come out of serving, like when you think about it, does it produce joy? Does it produce within you a happiness that comes out? And this, before we started, Jimmy said it very eloquently where joy and happiness are different, but it's especially different to Christians. So Christian joy is different from another concept of joy that the world would try to give. And what is the difference? I think we want to explore that today. And if you look at this passage, joy brings about three things. Joy brings about three things. And that's, I'm going to hit that in the end. So I'm just going to tell you the three right away. And then just, you can just listen for it and keep it in mind. But it brings about praise, relationship, and glory. If you look at the passage, praise, relationship, and glory. But what's so important about joy? Why is it important that we have joy or Christian joy or just joy? Why is it important We grew up saying things like, ignorance is bliss, don't we? Ignorance is bliss. What does that really mean? In the end, what we are really saying is, and we are taught this, we're taught this, we are taught to believe that if we are happy or joyful, it is actually mutually exclusive with being smart. If you're smart, you can't be happy. Because the smarter you are, the more that you know, you should be less happy Less joyful. So that's why we say things like, ignorance is bliss. So smart people, smart people in our day and age, love to hate on happiness. And even more so, we love to hate even more on anything or any book or anyone that would say otherwise. Why? Think about it. Why is it like that? Why is our culture like that? Because we have realized that joy is transient. That means it's fleeting. That means it's here one moment and gone the next. Christmas is coming. It's beginning to look like, like Christmas toys in every store. Look at the, you know, five and ten. That was, a sto- uh, that was like a mall back then. So when people sing it now, it's like, look at the five and ten. Is that a clock? No, it was a store, but um, Christmas is gone the next. So in the end, can we really put our investment, our energy into something called joy? Because in the end, won't you lose it? It's here one moment and gone the next. Sure, we can have a good father, mother, child, you know, baby. We can have a good leader. We can have good students. We can have a good brother or sister or even lover, but... When you think about it, isn't that even short-lived? Even that is short-lived. They will eventually betray us. And even if they don't, it won't last forever. So in the end, everything will disappoint and it will not last. This is a great start to joy, right? But I've realized um, within the past four years, I think I've been speaking uh, sporadically for the EM. I've always got joy. I 
think it's because I'm the most joyful person among the pastors, but that's what I thought. But perhaps maybe God is challenging me. Be more joyful, Eugene. It's like, oh, yes, sir. And so today, I want to explore even another aspect about joy. Whatever religion you have, or a religion, a non-religion, whatever philosophy that you adhere to, you come to this conclusion. And what happens in the end is you inevitably, inevitably come to say, I need to detach myself. I have to. Because it hurts too much. Even schools of thought that call themselves Christian. Now listen. Even schools of thought that call themselves Christians will say this. Detach yourself from the world. There's a hymn that says, that's a song like this, the world is not my home, I'm just passing through. The inspiration is Hebrews 13, 14, where it says, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. But you would interpret it and go even further and say, this world is not my home, so I need to separate myself from it. But that's not true, because the next line, it says, my treasure Treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue, which refers to Matthew and Mark when Jesus says, don't store up your treasures here on earth, store it up in heaven. People will go even further than what the hymn is saying and says, and would say that the world has nothing for us, and it is evil, and you must cut yourself off from it. In fact, that's like the essence of Buddhist religion, philosophy. You need to detach yourself. Um, Detachment, however, is not Christian. There's a famous magazine article written by Joseph Epstein in the 2010 Notre Dame magazine where he explores the life of Epicurus. And Epicurus was a philosopher even before we had this whole detachment notion and it has pervaded our culture and our philosophy and all our education he said you have four steps if you really really want to be okay because if you attach yourself to things if you really want joy you're just going to be sad you're just going to be disappointed so he says step one don't believe in god or in in any of the gods they don't probably exist and even if they did How could you possibly think they care about you? Step two, don't worry about death because death is going to come. It's assured. But think of death like oblivion. Boom, you're dead, gone. Step three, forget about pain because pain is going to be brief because eventually you'll die, right? Because step two, so forget about pain. And step four, don't waste your time acquiring anything. Relationships, material, whatever it is, because, or fame, power, money, whatever it is, because whatever you put in won't be what you get out, right? Isn't that the case for us, though? You put in so much, and you finally get it. You work so hard, and then you finally buy this house or car or whatever it is, and you realize, wow, I worked so hard. This is it? To summarize, Epicurus says, forget about God, death, pain, and acquisition, and then your worries are over. And there you are, four-step program. But this is what Joseph Epstein says. The real question is, even if it did work, would such utter detachment from life, from its large questions and daily dramas, 
constitute a life rich and complex enough to be worth living, many people would say, yes, I am myself, not among them. When I was younger, there was a movie called The Pirates of the Caribbean, and I remember watching it, and there was this uh, character called Davy Jones, and Davy Jones would lock up his heart because he was in love with Calypso or something like that, right? And she, like he betrayed her, so he locked up his heart so that he would never get that hurt feeling again. And then whoever had this heart would eventually control Davy Jones, and that's what the whole movie's about. But it comes that, that actual premise comes from something. And C.S. Lewis wrote this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Because to love is to be vulnerable. In the end, we come to this conclusion. If you are a human, you are made to love. You are made for intimacy. And that is an integral part of receiving joy, to know that we were made for intimacy. Jesus does two things in the beginning of this chapter. He appoints, number one, and number two, he sends out his disciples. To do what? To proclaim the advent of the kingdom of God, the coming of Jesus Christ. And we sang this song, it was beautiful, Christ who was and is, but there's another line to it that wasn't in the song that's in the Bible. Christ who was and is and is to come. That's what we are celebrating. That's what we're waiting for. This Advent season is to come. We're waiting for the kingdom of God to finally come again. And the task wasn't simple. Well, the task wasn't easy. It was simple. Jesus said, do this and do that. He gave them basic instructions. It was not easy. There is suffering. But at the same time, even though there is suffering in the task that was set before the disciples, there is a promise of hope. That means a promise of ultimate victory in Christ and a promise of peace. The promise that he will be with you which leads to the returning of the disciples with joy. They come back and they go, even the demons are subject to your name. And what that means is the highest realm of reality was subject to Jesus. There was the natural realm, and there's the supernatural realm that people believed And they are subject to Christ's authority. Jesus is Lord over everything. I am sure they suffered. Perhaps they even doubted along the way. 
Is this really what I need to be doing? But following through in obedience led them to joyfully return to Jesus. So in the end, what does joy bring? And Jesus, in joy, through the Holy Spirit, responds with this incredible blessing. Number one, praise. Number two, relationship. Number three, glory. He gave praise and thanksgiving to God for revealing God's will and purpose. For who? To who? The disciples. Those that were following Jesus. It's so important that we see this. When we obey Jesus is when we are disciples of Jesus. A lot of people think that all we have to do is pray some prayer, accept Jesus into our heart or something like that, and then we're saved. But in fact, there's nowhere in the Bible that has a sinner's prayer. Nowhere. It may help us to get to the next steps, sure. But the mark of a disciple is obedience. It's following what Jesus is telling us to do. It's not easy. It's simple, perhaps. But he gives us the promise of hope and the promise of peace to do the tasks that is set before us. And then there is joy that Jesus responds with when he sees the disciples. Number two, it's about relationship. He shows them how this joy was intertwined and how the Father sees the Son and how the Son sees the Father. And if you look at it deeply, it's about relationship. And we have this incredible relationship with God. And when I see a father looking at a son, when I see a parent looking at their child, and the, the child looking back at the parent, there is this incredibly deep connection. There is this intimacy that you can actually almost feel by looking at them. And this is the intimacy that joy is bringing about within us and God as well. Number three, glory. He says, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Jesus actually celebrates his disciples. Not celebrates with, he celebrates them. Glory, if you look it up, means celebrity. Celebrity means to be someone. You are someone. By God giving us glory, he's saying you are someone In Christ, through Christ, by Christ, we have been given great purpose. Jesus says, so many, so many have longed to see what my disciples see. But they didn't see it. So many have longed to hear what you are hearing. But they didn't hear it. So blessed are you. That's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to rejoice. That's a reason for joy. The difference between the world and followers of Christ is if you take out Christ, what we have left 
goes down to this. I think it goes down to nursery rhymes. It really does. I have a friend. <clears throat> he has uh, two daughters, and his two daughters are in fourth grade and second grade. And when I went, went over to visit them, they had two dolls. They love the dolls. I don't know why. They're fourth grade already. But anyway, they li- like the dolls, and they would carry it, and then they would say, oh, I would ask, what's the doll's name? And then she would say, the doll's name is Jack. It's like, that's interesting. So is your sister's doll's name Jill? And she said, yes. I was like, what? So did they go up the hill? And then they just rolled their eyes. They thought I was corny. But it was based off of Jack and Jill. They go up the hill to fetch a pail of water. And then Jack falls down and he breaks his crown and Jill comes tumbling after. It's a nice old nursery rhyme. But if we look at almost every nursery rhyme, it has mortality in it. Something dies. To break your crown, I didn't know it as a kid growing up, but I would love that song. Jack and Jill went up, there, right? And I would just sing it. <clears throat> but when Jack falls down and breaks his crown, that means he breaks his head. There's no one that survives after breaking your head open, and then Jill comes tumbling after. It's about death. Even as a young child, and you know, I sang, I remember singing certain nursery rhymes like London Bridge is Falling Down, and that was about the, the Black Plague, right? It's about death. Um, it's about death. That's like the biggest thing that is ahead of us. It's inevitable. People say, philosophers say, one philosopher said, I should say, that older people are grumpy because there's nothing they can really invest in now, but everything they invested didn't return to them what they expected. But even as younger people, we should see this. No matter what you really put in in this life, you can work for that BMW or Mercedes-Benz or whatever car you really want. When you get it, that return isn't all that. You can work for a nice house. You can sweat. You can... You know, work long hours. When you get it, it's a lot of work to even upkeep it. You can get all these things in life. When you finally do, you realize your children are gone. They have to live their own lives. They have to raise their own family. They're not going to be there for you 24-7. You can pour out all this energy into all these things. And then you realize the only thing that is inevitable and it's kind of sad, but you will fall down and break your crown. You will die. But here's the other hope that has been given through Jesus Christ. There is a song that I sang when I was a kid too. I didn't just sing Jack and Jill. I also went to church and I sang this one song. And I think we still sing it today. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And then the teacher would yell, where? And then we would sing louder, down in my heart, right? And then we'd just sing. And then the teacher would say, where? And then we'd sing as loud as we can, down in my heart, right? And then in the chorus it says, because I've got the joy or love of Jesus in my heart. That's the nursery rhyme that Christians have. There is a joy, 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 
joy down in the disciples' hearts because we have Jesus. And guess what Jesus did? What was inevitable, what we can never escape from, the nursery rhyme that has passed down to children because we didn't know how to explain death to children, was broken, was conquered, was defeated. And now we can say we have the joy of Christ in our hearts because he defeated what was inevitable, what could not have been broken by anything else in the world, and he defeated it. So that's why we can sing a song like I've got the joy in my heart. What does that mean for us now? It means that we are to spread this Christmas cheer, this Christmas joy. And how do we do that? See, it's not just that we're passing through this world. We are journeying, yes, but as we are journeying through the world, we are affecting the world. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be salt and light in the world. So what do we do? How do we spread this good cheer? How do we spread it? By spreading hope, by spreading peace, by spreading joy. And I only know one way to do it, honestly, is to show people what Jesus has shown me. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He lived for the other. He even said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's how he lived. And there was incredible joy in his life. Sure, there is suffering. Sure, it can be difficult. But there is joy that comes in the morning. That is the Christian joy that has been promised to each and every single one of his disciples. So let me encourage you one last time. He is the reason to celebrate. Jesus is the reason to rejoice. And Christ is the reason for our joy. Let's pray. And as we pray, I just want to encourage you The things in this world would tell us, don't be happy. It's fleeting. So what area in your life have you been affected by this school of thought? Now let's lift that up to God. In what area of your life is it impossible, do you think, to be joyful in or to have joy? Can we lift it up to Jesus? in prayer. And let's lift it up to him, knowing that he is the one that has given us hope, he is the one that has given us peace, and he is the one that is giving us joy. Let's have a moment of prayer together at this time. of our hardships Lord you promise and your promise is that we are not alone 
Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear any evil because you are with us. Emmanuel, you are with us. And so because of that, Lord, there is an unending joy knowing that we can conquer anything that is ahead of us, that you have set before us incredible joy. And we thank you for that, God. As we lift up these areas in our lives that are difficult, that we are suffering in, Lord God, help us to obey, help us to follow you, help us to commit it to you now, trusting that you will see us through. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.